0: Congratulations for investing in your family's creativity today with us on the AI Parenting podcast. We are a judgment-free community moving from screen time to quality time, and our motto is don't sedate, relate to create. And today's theme is all about creating, with tech tips to be confident when you are live online. Now lockdown has moved everyday work meetings and presentations to be live maybe you're getting more comfortable in front of the camera or maybe you've already seen a number of tips on how to do live streaming if you've seen live translations in your video meetings then you know there's a new audience for your live presentations ai this is even more important if your presentations are going to be published online since ai looks for very different things than people do i'm often asked what kind of camera microphone and streaming tool I use for the live streams. And since technology improves so quickly, any advice that I give you today will likely be outdated in a few months' time. And that's exactly why it's important to understand the first principles of recreating the face-to-face experience, measuring engagement, and the practice of writing down learnings. Now, even if you only do meetings live and you don't plan on making any of those videos public, you'll gain new insights into what's happening behind the scenes for the videos that we see online and some of the reasons why certain videos get recommended over others. Today, we'll explore one, how to use tech to recreate the face-to-face experience, two, how to engage in live conversations online, and three, how to continually improve your live streams by listing improvements. Ready to go? Let's dive into it. So there there are three aspects. So the purpose of most video conferencing technology is to get as close as possible to the live face-to-face conversation. If you think about how us chatting live today differs from being in person, You'll see that we need to compensate for some of the conferencing technology weaknesses such as hearing in a noisy environment and seeing in low light maybe reducing the lag in online conversations and looking at a person rather like looking at them in the eye rather than looking off to the side so when you speak to a another person in a noisy environment, like a concert or a restaurant, you are still able to have a conversation because our ears... Oh, let me hide this slide. Our ears do a phenomenal job at isolating only the sounds that we want to hear. Unfortunately, this is not the case for most microphones, especially those that are on your laptop um, because the effective range of most laptop microphones is four to six inches and most of them are more on the four inches side so that is you need to be at the the distance of like the edge of the keyboard like your face your mouth needs to be close to the edge of the keyboard in order to be heard well and so you can imagine that's going to be a, a real problem and so that's exactly why so many live streamers, they opt for external microphones. Uh, while most laptop and cell phone mics have an omnidirectional pickup, many uh, shotgun mics, so shotgun mics like this one, will pick up more sound in the direction that they're pointed at, so at the front. Uh, another approach that works for podcasters is to use a high quality mic close to their mouth. And that's what I'm I'm using here. You can see like this is a large diaphragm microphone. And if you need to move around a lot and that happens, you will want to get something like a wireless headset mic. And so what you see here is an example of a wireless headset mic. It has a, a pack or the sender and it has another pack for the receiver where you're, you're gonna receive the, the audio signal. And the, the purpose of getting that mic closer is to get within those four to six inches away. This is not only going to improve an AI's translation of your voice, but it will also make it sound like you are closer to those on the live stream. Often video conferencing tools will automatically spotlight the person who is speaking the loudest. So the volume of your mic is very important. Now, you can also make parts of the, the softer parts of your voice louder using something known as compression. Now compression, it automatically increases the volume when you are speaking softly and it decreases the volume when you are louder. So in the past, you needed special equipment to do all of this. Uh, but today, there are some mics like the Shure mv 88 that have compression built in. And let me show you what that looks like. Okay, first of all, with audio, um, what... One thing that we know is that most microphones, they only work about four inches to six inches away from the actual mic. So if you are not like directly here or like really close, even if you have a laptop, the sound is really not going to be great. So what do we do? So one approach is that people will use a microphone like this one. This is a shotgun microphone and it has a polar pattern, which just means that the sound comes out straight. Uh, it comes out straight from the microphone, and this one has like an active battery. So this is the Rode uh, Video Micro Pro. But there are versions that I've used that don't need batteries as well. And so for for convenience, that might be one good way to get started. Um, there are other uh, techniques that people use. So for example, if you do podcasting, let me show you what that looks like. Uh, what I use um, is a podcasting mic. This is an AKG. C414 Um, and so what it is is a large diaphragm um, podcasting mic and you'll see underneath what it has is a just a small windscreen and that will block a lot of the uh, a lot of the the sound that you might hear and one of the key things about these types of podcasting mics is that people can connect them to something called compression and let me show you what that means so uh, how can i make this bigger so you can see so if i take my screen and i just make it a lot bigger uh, what you can see here is it automatically is able to take a certain amount of sound and then boost it so you can take the vocal range so that is the vocal range between uh, one hundred and twenty eight Hertz all the way up to about 2k um, sometimes it's like you go a little bit higher but really the voice the voice component is mostly in this middle so I just make that higher I make the super high stuff a little bit lower and I make the super low stuff a little bit lower as well but some people if you have a lower voice you ha- you're gonna have to adjust this uh, as needed Now, this normally costs money, um, like a lot of money, because in order to send this information out, here's what you need to do. Like, I need to go from the microphone here, um, and it's connected to a Apogee Duet, right? So that's like an audio interface, as you can see over here, um, which is not easy. And then that's actually connected to my computer, to a separate computer that I do just for audio. And you can imagine, like, come on, like most people, most people are not going to go and invest in, in something like this, but that's okay because there are microphones like the, the Shure MV88 that already do this for you. So that's one example. Okay. So I hope that made sense. Uh, what I'm trying to do here is just explain, um, that often when you have a face to face conversation, Uh, You show that you are fully engaged with the other person also when you look them directly in the eye. And when you look away, it it, it seems like we're focused on something or someone else. So as much as possible, you want to be looking in the middle of the camera lens. Uh, And this can be as simple as putting your video in a small window. Um, that, that is at the top of your laptop screen, close to where your camera is. And this forces you to look up in order to see yourself. Um, there is a more advanced technique of having a camera behind a teleprompter. And then this way, you'll be looking directly into the lens uh, when you're speaking. Now, I've got a a small monitor um, that I use to show the the people that I'm speaking to. Uh, And so it's as close to having a face-to-face conversation as possible. And so let me um, open up another video, and I just want to show you what that looks like, just so that it's more clear of how do I get eye contact with a teleprompter. So I'm gonna show you how I I do a lot of my scripts. So I use an app called PromptSmart Pro on the teleprompter and I just put my my phone, like you literally see like this is just my phone, it doesn't appear in the camera. And if I say congratulations for investing in creativity today with us on AI Parenting Live, we are a judgment-free community moving from screen time to quality time. Our motto is don't sedate, relate to create. And today's theme is all about creating with tech tips to be confident when you are live online. So the next is the rods and the cones of the human eye give us this incredible ability to see both the bright sky and the details of shadows from clouds at the same time. It's estimated that the human eye has the dynamic range of 24 f stops which is almost double that of the best DSLR camera that you can buy on the market. Uh, In practice, most laptop web cameras or selfie cameras have about one quarter to one eighth the dynamic range of our eyes. And this means that they have a really hard time making your face easy to see when the wall behind you is white uh, and it's so bright compared to your face. And so there are two ways to get around this issue. The first is to use a camera with more dynamic range, but this can cost thousands of dollars. The cheaper method is to be close to a window or to get a ring light close to your face or a webcam that includes a ring light. This has the added benefit of making you the brightest thing in the picture. And this is good because we are wired to look at the brightest spots. And that's also why if you look behind me, I've painted the walls of my room a darker color. Um but that said like the eyes do wander, so make sure you have things on the walls that you want others to look at. So maybe I will at this time show you what does that look like? What does like lighting look like? Now you can use a ring light, but another approach that you can also use is a box light. And I am a huge fan of these soft boxes. um, And I'll show you why, because as somebody who wears glasses, um, if I, come on. Yeah, okay. So as somebody who wears glasses, if you are too close to a ring light, do you see how like there's a ring? You can see, like, a ring uh, reflection off of my glasses. That is what happens uh, when you're, like, really close to a ring light. You will see the ring. Um, And so if you have a softbox, for example, it makes everything brighter... Right. But it doesn't create like a like a box. You know, it, it's just a softer light. So it just diffuses the light in a really significant way. And so you'll see many live streamers. They will use soft boxes because soft boxes is really the next level uh, for lighting. It gives you a much cleaner look without the kind of weird reflection in your glasses. Um, so whatever light you can do, like, I mean, if you can find a lamp or something in your house, that's going to make a huge difference for your lighting setup. When it comes to which camera to get, think of each pixel on the the camera sensor uh, like a bucket. And it's there to hold light. And so the larger the sensor, the larger the l- the bucket that you have to hold light. Uh, and it also means that you're going to get more dynamic range. You're going to get a little bit more uh, image quality, especially when it comes to low light situations. Now, most Phone cameras, um, and not just phone cameras, but let's say like snap filters or even like Zoom, they use AI to improve image quality. This means that the speed of your computer is going to have an impact on the quality of your image when you're live. All right. So engaging live. And there's two parts I'm going to talk about. Like the first is about lag and it's about um, keeping it's simple, so you have opportunities for people to, to give input. Now, when you're in a face-to-face conversation, you can respond immediately. You, you can watch a person's facial expression to see if they're following or if they're confused. If you've ever tried to do, say, karaoke or singing in a video conference, you'll know that there can be a huge delay between the music and your singing. And we can try to reduce this delay on our end by using multiple computers. Uh, but ultimately, we're going to have to interact with the audience in a different way, especially when we're live. When you're on a video conference, your computer is doing a lot of things at the same time. It's trying to improve your video image, It's trying to compress the video into a smaller format and it's trying to encrypt the video so that others can't easily see it. And so the result is sometimes a delay in performance that comes from the computer itself uh, that we're using. And so many students that had those older Chromebooks, uh, they noticed right in September that when they tried to do other things like open slides or have a poll during a live class, that it slowed down to the point that it maybe didn't even work. And this is exactly why your slides running slowly, like your your slides run slow, or um, your computer lags when you try to do things like play a video. And you can see, like I played several videos during this uh, presentation. But how do I do it? So uh, certainly buying a faster laptop it can help, but it's expensive. And it can still lag if you're doing anything processor intensive. Uh, fortunately, the gaming community has actually solved this problem for us using tools such as this one. This is the Elgato HD60s. And what it does is a capture card and it turns an HDMI input into a web camera on your laptop. So you just plug in like an HDMI input, which could be another laptop. And then that becomes a web camera on, on your, on your laptop. Uh, this way you can have one laptop for your video game or your presentation and you can have another which is connected for live streaming. So like this would be the video game computer and then the, you'd have another one which is just focused on just figure out the live streaming. Just do that well. And that's really, really powerful because that's going to give you a lot of more ability uh, to do more things without having to worry about it lagging all the time. Now you can take this idea even further with the dedicated hardware, like the Blackmagic ATEM Mini Pro that acts as a web camera and also allows you to switch between four, so like four of these HDMI inputs. The true potential of the ATEM Mini Pro comes when you connect a network cable. So that you can send your live video directly to the streaming service uh, such as restream now i've been using this for a lot of my restreams because it gives way better performance because that compression all of that work is done by the HM mini pro instead of by my laptop which means that everything runs smoother the laptop runs smoother every everything is running smoother so maybe i'll show you a video of what that looks like as well because i think this will hopefully give you some sense of how all of this stuff comes together switch between multiple inputs i use something called the atem mini pro and it's powerful for two reasons the first is because it allows me to switch between multiple inputs Uh, the example that i'll show you is switching from here to my mac Right, So it allows me to even put my camera image in there. It does green screen and everything as well, which is amazing. And it allows me to switch between different cameras. So now I'm facing this camera right here. So that's pretty cool, right? That this this is able to, to handle the different types of images and, and different resolutions, right? And so it's just another, another powerful tool. And so being able to switch between inputs is powerful. But in addition, you can see it has something very powerful here in the pro, which is a network cable. And that network cable is directly connected to my network in order to allow me to do streaming. And let me show you what that means. So so what I mean by this is you want to be able to not have to Consume a lot of computing resources in order to send a stream. And sending the stream means a lot of computing power. <clears throat> they have to compress the video and then send it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that with this example. Because once you've uh, taken the video, you can very easily co- compress it and you can convert it into different formats inside the A10 Mini Pro. That does the streaming for you. So now your computer can be then focused on other things like showing your slides or something else. And that's why I emphasize like having other devices, splitting your computing up as much as possible will make a big difference. It will make everything smoother. There will be less lag. You will feel you will see less like hiccups in terms of your presentations. Things are going to go a little bit more smoother also because you have backups. Now, the disadvantage is it does make things more complicated. Uh, And that's where the next part where you need to have a, a checklist of improvements. It comes in. Thanks. You know, teachers in a classroom, they can watch the facial expressions of their students to know if everyone understands. So what can you do when you're live and people don't have webcams on? Well, what we have to do is we have to make those implicit things uh, like nods or confused expressions that are like, I don't get it. Like normally if you're in a classroom, you see those things. You gotta make them explicit in the chat. Ask, are you getting it? Is this sinking in? Put yes in the chats. Put yes in the comments. Yes? Oh, Eric's here. Okay, great. Right? So those simple things. It's, it's key to make it very easy to respond. Like start with a simple yes or a no rather than some complicated question, because we want to make it easy and you need that type of feedback, especially in a live presentation. Now, it's important to remember that there may be a 30 to 60 second delay between when you say something and when you get a response. Just think about it. Uh, To type in the chat on a mobile device, you need to uh, click the chat icon And then you need to click the text uh, bar and then you need to type in your response (laughs) And, and then you need to send it. And so you need to be a lot more patient than when having a face to face conversation. People want to respond, but it takes time. It actually takes a lot of time. And so I found that it helps if you tell people that you will be asking for their response in advance like say, OK, in a moment, I will be asking for your response. Um, I'm going to ask you to say yes or no in the comments. Um, you should open up the chat now uh, and then you explain the question. And then this way, there's time for them to get ready to open up the chat, which takes a few seconds anyways. And then when you ask the question, you're going to get the response a little bit quicker. You know, a face-to-face conversation is always filled with, like, props um, that serve as as topics for discussion. Because, like, if we're in the same space, the whole environment becomes different props that I can point to. But these days, there is way too much reliance on just using, like, slides, like PowerPoint slides or um, Google Slides as the main prompt for discussion. And just think about it, you would never just stare at a prop, like, like, let's say we had a a prop like this, you would never just like stare at that for like one whole hour. And and that's why I often like to use the ATEM Mini Pro to overlay things like video or um, as a circle on top of my slides. You know, there's a number of reasons. And then the point is to, you just want to bring up the slides only as needed. And then return back to the face-to-face conversation. Because people want to engage with other people and not a deck of slides. So when this, like, slide is massive and that's all you see, like, that's not really what people want to engage with, right? You don't want to like, engage with, like, the slide deck. No, you want to engage with the person. Now, you know, I know if you're like me, and you don't feel uh, comfortable speaking for 45 minutes without a, a script, uh, then there are apps, uh, and I showed you the uh, Prompt Smart Pro uh, that uses a uh, voice recognition AI to automatically advance a script, so that all you need to do is basically read the script or the main points. Now, should we use it or should we not? Should we just have some main points? There are many different opinions about using scripts. And I think it depends on how you use it. So if you're just going to read it in a monotone, then it's better to just have some key points so that you can speak naturally. But what I've learned is that all the best keynote speakers that I know, they they use scripts. They're, they're all written in a conversational tone through the voice of the, the speaker. And it allows the speaker to focus their efforts on getting the right tonality so the and the right expression rather than presenting the content in the right sequence and having the right kind of opportunities to, to ask questions. And I can tell you, as a presenter with ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, Having a script has been a lifesaver for me because it allows me to remove technical distractions and focus on the expression and deeply thinking about your comments and questions. Uh, it, it gives me opportunities. It reminds me like, hey, I need to engage you every few minutes. Um, It also reminds me exactly which screen transitions I need to do. When do I need to switch cameras? Um, Especially when I'm doing it live, it allows me to have a consistent quality experience from presentation to presentation. And another benefit is that it also, the script also helps me turn my talks into a blog post uh, or even a future chapter of the AI parenting book that I'm working on. And most importantly, it allows me to modify my scripts uh, so that I can have the elements in my improvement list always included. You know, those of you who have been watching my live streams for some time have probably seen a, a ton of mistakes that I've made. You know, one time I accidentally muted the audio uh, last week. We heard a delay or an echo during the live stream. Uh, during an interview, I've had the video lag because there wasn't enough bandwidth problem. Everything like I've even lost power in the middle of a live stream. And one time the streaming service, no, not just one time, like multiple times, the streaming service itself would not start even after I restarted my computer, right? Like, so in terms of problems I've experienced pretty much all of them. And I want you to know that it was my most embarrassing moments. Though it was those times when I questioned if I was really suited for doing live presentations, It was the times when I was most humbled by technology that I learned the most. If we are too afraid to fail, then we will never try and we will never learn. When our live video is not working, it is easy to blame technology. I've got an old computer. Or ah, I hate Google Meet. Uh, or we can even blame our own tech competence. You can go, you know what? I'm I'm just not a techie. But that won't help us improve. The only thing that does help is asking the question, why? Why did the video not work? Was it because another program was using the video? Does restarting the computer solved the problem. We need to build a habit of celebrating failures because we are really celebrating learning. You know after one really bad live stream I decided to finally write down all of the mistakes that I had made into an improvement list. Yeah, you know, my goal was to write down the cause of the mistake and the way that I would resolve this issue in the future. I would reward myself every time I came up with a way to avoid those mistakes in the future. Now, for for some, a reward is what chocolate. Like, what's a reward for you? For me, it's buying uh, tech gadgets. Um, at times, the solution has required that I buy some tech equipment in order to help me solve this issue. Or sometimes I have to pay for a subscription to a software tool that would save me time. Uh, and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I'm always learning and improving. Uh, the tech tips that I'm sharing with you today are really just scratching the surface. Of what I've learned over time. Uh, honestly, it would take days or maybe even weeks to share with you all of the tips and the tricks that I've learned, uh, over, over time. And so that's exactly why I want to put together the lessons that I've learned into a creator, like kind of master class. Uh, like ideally a course that goes into the details of being more confident live. Uh, from not only the equipment that will best serve your goals, to also strategies for engaging a live audience, uh, to even reusing the video from a live play in in the future. So, for example, every, let's say, 45 minute to an hour live stream that I do, uh, it's turned in to a 60 second video. And... Um, it's turned into three 60 second video previews. It's turned into three 10 minute videos and one podcast and one blog post. And so if you want to know how this is done, I want you to reach out to me um, just send me a message uh, because I'm planning on creating this like circle uh, for creators. And I'd like to know like what specific things you'd like me to cover in a course Thanks so much for joining us on the AI Parenting podcast today. We hope that you learned something new, and if you want to stay in contact with us, the best way is by going to ai and signing up for the AI Parenting Insider mail list. You'll get some inside scoops into some of the details the blogs, the references that we refer to in this article, they'll all be there. And so this is a great way of getting in contact. contact. And we are also in the process of building this new course for you to help accelerate the success of creators. And so if you're interested in that, make sure you're signed up for AI Parenting Live. Thank you very much. We will speak to you soon. Next week, we are going to explore... Thanks so much for joining the AI Parenting podcast. I hope you found some new tips today to help you be more confident when you're live. If you found this episode helpful, please give our channel a like on your podcast platform. It helps us out a lot. And if you want to stay in contact with us, just go to AIParenting.live and sign up to be an insider. We are sending out regular mails out to our insiders of inside tips and some tools that may help you move from screen time to quality time. Next week, we're very excited to have Tara Linney, who is the author of Code Equity, Keying Girls into Coding. And we're going to explore why coding is so important to equity and how we can use coding to help build connection to real world situations and real world problems. Thank you. We'll see you again next week.